Children of the Solstice, gather round the cauldron for another episode of Good Witch, Bad Witch. Which witch are This is my best friend and best witch, Lisa Brown. And with you today also is my best friend and good witch, Shelley Armand. And she brought her man witch today. Hey, uh, thanks for coming on board today, guys. I just wanted to talk about today a little bit about myself because I am so good. And um, I feel for a lot of people right now. So it's 2020, it's Christmas, there's pandemic times, there's coronavirus, there's COVID. It affects everybody, not just me. But I wanted to uh, reach out to my, my fellow service industry people. Uh, I run a restaurant and have for 16 years in downtown Denver by Coors Field. And I don't own it. I just act like I do. Um, I, I feel really bad for our staff and for our guests and everything that's happening. And so while it's Christmas is weird and depressing, sometimes anyway, but not being able to be with your families is really hard. And um, we just wanted to spread some comedy and cheer to you guys today and let you know that you're not alone. And if you ever need somebody to talk to, um, I don't have time for that shit, but somebody does. And I, I really sure. think you should, seriously, we're, we're all in this together. And I, I thought that was such a trite expression, but um, every day's weird. We're weird. You're weird. Let's just be weird together and enjoy it. Lisa, what? That was what, beautiful. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I am an unlicensed psychologist. I'm, I'm only here to help. Right. Here to help. Yeah. Um, what else is going on in your life? Tell me a little bit about what you do for a living. I, we, you just said that you were in the service industry, but you and you run and manage the Blake Street Tavern. Yes. So how is how has Corona affected you guys? Well, it's crazy. Um, it specifically is a really big sports bar. It's 18,000 square feet. It has five different areas with sound, 69 um, TVs inside and outside. And Did we you had a pick 69 um, specifically because, you know, know, you're a 12-year-old boy? It goes both ways. It just tickles right. me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we could have 70. That just That's not funny. No, no. Who, who so who we did have a front of house and back of staff or back of house staff of a hundred. And uh, when things started rolling in March, um, everything came crashing down around us. So our biggest money days are opening day baseball and uh, St. Patrick's Day Parade. It goes right 
down in front of Lake Street, right in front of our sports bar. And those are $100,000 days. And they get us over those dark, dark days in January and February where we're losing money. And the parade got canceled three days beforehand. And, and we were learning what a, a huge problem this um, virus was. And so anyway, that's how it affected us personally. We had to lay off three quarters of our staff. We went down to a skeleton crew. There were just, you know, 10 of us taking orders and, and delivering in the area and just trying to keep the lights on. And that story just rings true, but so much worse in other industries. You know, we know people that work at gyms or musicians or performers or concessionaires. You know, there was no sports whatsoever. People were betting on you know, hot dog eating contests, you know, so <laughs> I'm not kidding. And so everything that made I was in like, one of those, like, well, at least you had something I, to eat. I didn't bet on myself. <laughs> I should've. lost. I know I won. But you know, it was really hard to lay off most of our staff, our students. And, you know, luckily there was unemployment and stuff, but that's round one. What, what happens now? You know, there's yeah, only outdoor dining right at this point. And, you know, we need, again, a third or fourth of our staff because there's just, we can't have people inside. So I'm not trying to be a crybaby about it. I, I think it's crap. I do think it's um, completely biased and, and uh, it doesn't reflect the data why, you know, it's all the restaurant's fault and not all these other things that are a lot dirtier or whatever. Of course, we need gas. And of course, we need to go to the grocery store and all of that. But and you can't make all the rules the same. You know, we are all apples and oranges. Everybody's trying to be safe. I love that everybody's washing their hands till they're raw. And, and you know, I don't like being around people all the time. So that's fine too. But just really what's happening to the economy right now, it's crippling. And I do think the cure's worse than the disease. You know, it's, it's just going to be a colossal financial disaster for a lot of people. So I, I feel bad for a lot of people right now. And I, I wasn't trying to, um, you know, have my own little pity party for my staff and, and for our sports bar, but for everybody that's alone. And my main concern is for people that have sick relatives and can't be with them in the hospital. I mean, that just yeah. is, is the saddest thing to me. Um, yeah, the separation is really devastating to a lot of people's mental health. And again, like I said, you know, I don't want people to get isolated in their phones or on their TVs or watching the news where they just go into this crazy spiral of hopelessness. So we're here to just kind of lighten the mood. Wasn't that hilarious? And yeah, yeah so I was going to say after all of that, now say something fucking funny. Jeez. How about that? Debbie Downer. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Debbie. Okay, okay. Okay. We yeah. have a Debbie upper. And our first guest is going to be our friend, Deborah Molinar, who has amazing, amazing stories to tell about meeting rock stars, uh, living in the 60s in Detroit, and all of the fun things. So thank you guys for listening. And when we return, we'll be back with Debbie. Hi, witches. I wanted to tell you about Tan and Tone in North Glen, Colorado. Tan in a bed, or as I prefer, spray tan for a glow on the go. It's an easy, affordable way to look your best, even if you put on a few quarantine LBs like me. Even if you can't go on vacation right now, get that tropical feeling at Tan and Tone North Glen. It's family owned, and they've been forced to close their other locations due to these COVID times. You'll feel good about where your self-care dollars go. Available in individual sessions and packages, treat yourself. Stringent sanitation procedures are followed, so you'll feel sunny and safe. 
go to tantone.net, that's T-A-N-T-O-N-E.net to make your appointment or distanced walk-ins are welcome. to get to know you a little bit as a local character and a globetrotter and a feminist and uh, a musical guru who has seen everybody in a 20-person arena and <laughs> has been hit on them or hit on by them as well. <laughs> All right. Um, I wanted to start with uh, asking you kind of about your roots a little bit. Um, could you tell our fans a little bit about your grandmother and your mother and how they were trail trailblazers in um, feminist and help form your personality? Yes, absolutely. Um, my grandmother was um, long story abandoned as a child, grew up kind of in an Amish situation. But um, as a, a young adult, um, she was a singer and a comedian and she traveled on the road and uh, her and my grandfather actually ran a speakeasy when, yeah. during prohibition. And uh, she is just this outspoken, magnificent lady. And my whole family, it's, it's a matriarch. Um, the very few men that managed to last <laughs> in our family. Um, they're pretty, they're pretty strong to be there. <laughs> I'll go really quick. As go a ahead. family of beautiful, strong redheads, do you feel like um, a, a lot of you stay single till you're older, right? Because you don't find men that are strong enough for you. Is that correct? That's correct. And um, there's, like a very short marriages as well. <laughs> they come and they go. Although I have to say my sister and my aunt Kathy, they remain friends with their, their exes. Um, all of my exes were kind of like, I'm out of here. I'm gone. I can't take anymore. <laughs> I can't be friends. I can't be anything. And they just run scared and I never see or hear from them again. But, so when, when you were talking about the speakeasy that your grandma um, was in, where what city was that in? Uh, this was in Detroit. I grew up in Detroit, okay. Michigan. Um, so when she did all of her stuff, most of it was in Detroit, everything. She didn't right. travel around the country um, She met my grandfather in Detroit, who was a boxer. He was a bantamweight champ. Um, and later down the line, we found out uh, was Black. <laughs> and we didn't know this, like my... My whole childhood and growing up, they kept it a secret. And I think that was mainly because of the stigma. They couldn't be married because you couldn't marry out of your race in the 1920s. And um, they had children together. And of course, they didn't want their children to know that they were bastards. <laughs> so, um, Now, do you believe this is why you tan so easily? Absolutely. Okay, good. <laughs> You're a strong black woman, Deb. I, I am a strong black that. woman. Yes. <laughs> no, I kind of always knew it somehow. Whoops. Hello. Are you there? I got I'm you. Here. Okay. Um, I, I kind of always knew it somehow, but you believe what you're told. You know, when I look at pictures of my grandfather now, I think, my God, he's black. Mm -hmm. But um, at the time, I, I, I know I was told he wasn't I, I actually I never we never were told he wasn't and my 
my grandmother's sister used to always say, purse is black, purse is black. And because our grandparents told us, never told us that he wasn't um, or was, we just believed that he wasn't. But, and, but they never married. They never married. And that all but came they, out after my grandfather died. But they had children together. Yes, they had three and were children. They, I mean, obviously, but were they lo- like, w- did... Was that looked? I mean, did they have anything right. bad hap- happen to them because of the, the fact that they were married and had children? I I actually don't think so. My grandfather was very light skinned, and um, he had red hair. He was like oh. red fox, you know. Okay. So he had red hair, and he had freckles everywhere. Um, but he definitely has black features. I mean, like I say, when I look at him now, I it's like a smack in the face. Like, how did you not know this? You know? Well, now we're going to have to post pictures on social media because I got to see what he looks like. Okay. And my mom too, you know, my mom actually has like, um, she, if, if she weren't fair, you would think she was black. So your grandparents are obviously incredibly interesting, but, uh, isn't your mom known for something groundbreaking as well? Yes. She was the first nurse, uh, nationwide, to be allowed to be married and pregnant um, and finish her state board exams because her grades were so good. Um, my, my father enlisted in the service um, at the beginning of the Korean War and uh, they snuck off and eloped and they got pregnant. Um, my mom got pregnant and she hid it for so long, but, um, Actually, you know, like nurses had like curfews and lived in dorms and weren't allowed to be married at the time. And uh, she was still going through school. And um, she finally had to like tell that she was pregnant. And so she took her board exams and she was nine months pregnant with me. Ta-da! Yay, Smarty. <laughs> well, that explains yeah. why you've done so many things in the medical field. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, just for our fans, Debbie has nurse. had, well, you, you've had so many crazy jobs. You've worked for uh, 911 as a technical writer for 25 years. You uh, cut hair. And I know you worked, was it for a foot doctor or a plastic surgeon for a time? I, I worked at a surgical center that catered to all kinds of doctors um, for surgery, plastic surgeons, orthopedic surgeons. Um, Cause you're really part. 107, aren't you? You look amazing. <laughs> I am 107. <laughs> <laughs> Looking good. Thin cream. <laughs> Would you say that your favorite job was Disney World? Um, yeah, probably. Cause that was, that was at the Magic Kingdom and it was a lot different than it is now. And it was the very beginning of Epcot Center. And, uh, just had like multitudes of friends from all over the world, which was a blast. I worked at the French pavilion there with all the French boys and um, had a blast, partied every single night. And I probably, when I left there, could have like started in London and worked my way all the way through Europe with visits at the time, which I was going to do, but I got talked out of. So, Yeah. Well, before the term gaydar was coined, I think in the 90s, <laughs> you have it. I don't. Ricky Martin, I didn't know. George Michael, yeah. I didn't know. So you're I have gaydar and crazy dar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if there's a gay man, he, 
they they usually want to be me or like me. Um, gay men do. Um, I you know have, their Barbara Streisand. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a blast, and that's that's where I let, met at Disney. I met a lot of my gay friends, and they used to take me out to clubs, dancing all the time. And that was like right at the beginning of the AIDS epidemic, which was like devastating. Lost a lot of friends there, but still, still have contact with. Um, my my one especially good friend Shields and um God I a lot I lost a lot Mark my my roommate Mark died but um yeah they were fabulous and um because I collect shoes Shields always used to try all of my shoes on <laughs> one of your experiences that I always thought was so interesting you've uh, traveled all over and lived all over and I know your heart is kind of by the ocean and you're you're fixing to move to, back to the east coast this year hopefully but uh did you and your sister lived on a small island off the east coast is that right we did we actually lived on a little island off of uh the south new jersey coastline called sea isle city and um those were my heavy duty party days. Um, I literally, the bars were open all night long and I literally would, my sister and I would be partying. We used to go to this one place where the stage rotated. So you had music all night, a new band, like when one band went on break, the stage rotated around and another band came on and we would walk out of there. It would be daylight, go home and brush my teeth and go to work. Dang. And I don't know how I did it. I really don't. Because <laughs> you were young and you could. Yeah. And beers were like um, 25 cents on Sundays at this one bar that we used to go to. So if you wore a straw hat, it was called Skimmer Sunday, 25 <laughs> cent draft beers. But what year was that? That was about 74 or 75. And yeah. so if, when you were in your best party days and stuff like that, did you, who would you say, did you meet any famous people? Who would you say is the most famous person you ever met? Um, Michael Jackson, but oh. I, well, Rod Stewart met him, but that was prior in Detroit, party days, okay. band days, um, hippie days. Um, I met Michael Jackson at Disney World. Um, and I saw I mean, Detroit was a great place to grow up as far as the music scene goes in yeah. the 60s and 70s, none better. Bands played in little venues, Elton John. Um, I saw him. There's actually a scene in the movie that just came out. What is the name of it? Um, Rocket Man? Yeah, Rocket, Rocket Man. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Where he he's plays at the uh, Trocadero in L.A., uh-huh. And I kind of had a similar experience like that at this little club called the East Town. My girlfriend and I, Lynn, we were bored on Saturday night and we called to see who was playing at the East Town. And they said, this new guy, Elton John. And the only song we had ever heard was your song, which we kind of like thought was a little bit on the yeah. bubble gummy. Yeah. You're a rocker. Mm-hmm. So we decided to go anyway. It was like three bucks. Went in, sat down right next to the stage because they had taken all the chairs out and you just sat on the floor in front of the stage or stood up and he came out and just blew us away so it was before he had even like really hit the big time at all was he wearing the big feathery outfit and the big sunglasses or was that not a look yet he actually probably didn't have the money for stuff like that he was wearing a cape that had a mickey mouse on it and just blue (laughs) jeans and a shirt yeah 
and I kind of liked him better at that point, you know, and he hadn't even come out yet that he uh, was gay. So, but he was he just was a little, <laughs> he was just a little English singer songwriter that you got to see it at some yeah. little dome. And we yeah. were just expecting like some really hokey entertainer. Do you we remember lo- at the time, do you remember loving it? Like you were like, this guy's going to be big. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Knew it. Mm-hmm. Because I actually saw Led Zeppelin before they were famous, too. Oh, wow. <gasps> Ooh, did Robert Plant hit on you? Please say yes. Please say yes. He hit on me one time in Toronto, but not not at the, the first time I saw him. Um, I saw him at a club called the Grandy Ballroom in Detroit. And they were just like very beginning um, to do their thing and were like fabulous. And of all of all the rock stars, well, my knock my screen down again of all the rock stars that I ever saw including Mick Jagger who I love 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 he's probably the only one I really would have slept with <laughs> well, we're, not, really we're gonna real? take a short break really fast okay and, um, we're gonna we'll get back to you in well as Chuck Woolery we would say two and two <laughs> okay which <laughs> is good and bad please go to our website goodwitch-badwitch.com to subscribe to our comedy podcast with weekly fascinating guests. We're really proud of our colorful, functional website designed by Idel Fisher, owner of Picklewick's Graphic Designs. The site is for sure badass and nice looking, boasting bios and pics of our guests, and it's where you can find our fun GWB merch, including shirts, bags, buttons, and stickers. Find Idel for all of your graphic design needs at picklewicks.com. That's P-I-C-K-L-E-W-I-X dot com for all your graphic design needs. We're back here with Deborah Molinar-Lemming, and we're asking her about her days in Detroit in the 60s in well, 70s, 80s, all of the times. Um, my question, we were just talking about you with Led Zeppelin, but I kind of want to know, how do you think life differs now from when in the 60s oh big time well we are kind of going through a 60 thing right now i think um with the political atmosphere and black lives matter and protests um although um our protests really weren't violent um there were some that ended in violence um kent state but we really were like peace-loving hippies at the Mm -hmm. time and I think, I think music was much more important to us um, because that you, you never would have gone to a party that there wasn't music playing. And, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I mean, the words and the music, everything in the music, it, it was all part of what our generation was talking about at the time, which was getting away from old views on sex and um, war, fighting, um, things like that. I still, I still, these values are still with me. I still well, believe in peace and well, this, love. The and, civil rights movement and uh, feminism and everything just didn't really get traction until the 60s. It didn't. So it's actually when birth control pills came out is when women started rebelling because at that, at that point in time, I think women realized that, okay, I don't have to get married if I'm going to have sex. 
because if I get pregnant, I, or I, I don't have to get pregnant. Whereas like my mom and dad, um, I think they got married just because they wanted to have sex. They were like the most mismatched couple on the face of the earth, but the fear of that stigma for women to get pregnant was horrific. Now it's kind of, you know, not a big deal. It's really not, I don't think you really judge as a Oh yeah, a lot of people are doing it first. They have the kids first and then get married. Right. If they feel like getting married. If they do. And women have children that don't even want to get married there, you know, but, but at the time it was, you know, my mom was the only woman I, that went to work on my street. Um, um, my grandmother worked uh, in show business. You just didn't see a lot of women that worked jobs. They, they were homemakers. They stayed at home because they had the children and the men went out and worked. And all that kind of like came to a head around the time that we went to Vietnam. And I mean, I really, I I don't hate soldiers. It wasn't that you were against the soldiers. What you were against was sending a boy away to be killed or injured um, when the country that is fighting doesn't even want you there was was the thing so right so that was kind of like world war ii where it was a slam dunk and we were all united by a common we wanted to go there was a reason to be there um the people in vietnam didn't want us there they were poor they wanted communism and there if you watch that ken um what's his name uh the the documentarian ken burns if you watch his Vietnam thing, it, it, it really explains what went on there. So you had like this culmination of people saying, no, we're not gonna, we're not doing what our government says. We're not just going to war to get blown away for no reason. And then women saying, hey, I can do just as good a job as you can. I don't have to stay home. I don't have to be um, a housewife and I deserve equality. So you had all these things happening and the music and the arts just reflected it. Um, and it was very important to us. Very, very important to us. Do you feel like in your lifetime um, with shattering all these glass ceilings in your family in particular, that um, you finally see an end to that wage gap between men and women? I think it's just starting to get there, believe it or not. I mean, it's still, I know it, it was happening at the company I was working for, which I won't mention, but um <laughs> But why? Because I don't want you to get in trouble for it. <laughs> for all the nice <laughs> things you were sharing. Yeah, and I might have to give back my settlement package from them if I do. <laughs> and I spam yeah. it. So, <laughs> um, I they they were doing the same thing. In fact, my boss said she saw salaries, and this one man had like a ten times higher salary than the female doing the same job. So I think it's still there. I think we have a long way to go still, but I think it's starting finally to even up to a certain Good. extent. Well, I mean, you've been a, a soldier in that battle and you are certainly never shy about expressing your opinion about anything. I think you're a um, an advocate for the underdog always. And uh, okay, can you, here's my main question for you. <laughs> Okay, you've always loved Mick Jagger. You've always loved the Stones. Your husband can do an amazing impression. Your very (laughs) first tattoo you got at age uh, very recently of the iconic lips. 
Yes. So when the 60s come and the British invasion happens, did did you latch on early or late? I'll tell you, what, I'll was tell you what I latched on and what happened. Okay, please. The Beatles, the British invasion had come and I actually, I remember the night like it was yesterday. And the, the bands always played on the stupid Ed Sullivan show. Um, <laughs> they did. I mean, Ed Sullivan had the Beatles, they had the Doors, they had the Stones. So the Beatles had been around for a little while and they had started to like almost become like mainstream you know when they first came and they had long hair and everybody was talking about their long hair and you look at their hair now and it's like like that is long long. yeah right (laughs) but at the time it was like crew cut heaven there around everywhere so when the Beatles had the Beatle um shag things happening yeah so but but people had realized older people that they were talented and had started to like them then all of a sudden, Ed Sullivan has the stones on. And I remember sitting there with my aunt. I have an aunt who's five years older than I am that we grew up as kind of like sisters. And we were excited because we, we liked the music, but we had never seen the stones because there was no internet. You know, you saw their pictures on the albums and stuff. And the minute they came on, and they did a close up of Mick. They made them change the words to let's spend the night together to let's spend some time together. Gather. <laughs> Cause so uh, my grandmother, my grandfather started in on, oh my God, I have never seen four uglier men in my entire life. <laughs> but look at how ugly they are. They're terrible. Look at them. Who could like them? And my aunt and I looked at each other and went, oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sexy is as sexy does. You're like, I'll that take some was of that, it. please. That was yeah. it. It was like, okay, no one likes them. <laughs> it's a rebellion like thing. Them. And besides, they were just great. Yeah. Good. Well, so that was um, the very their their very first appearance in the United States. And I I'm guessing it was around 63 or 64. And when was I, the first time you saw them live? Um, I think the first time I saw them live was about 65, mm-hmm. 65 or 66. Yeah. In Detroit? Yes, absolutely. Everybody came to Detroit. It was Motown and um, anybody that was, anybody came to Detroit. So they came there before they were famous, except for the Stones were pretty famous by the time they toured the U.S. So um, they were in a pretty big venue. I think uh, they were at Olympia Stadium, which was the, the hockey stadium. At the oh, time, nice. I saw the Beatles too. Oh, where did you see them? I saw them at Olympia Stadium. Um, my grandfather let me and my aunt sleep out overnight for tickets, and uh, in the middle of Detroit, center of Detroit, and he stayed in the car down the street and watched us to make sure we were okay. <laughs> so sweet. Because <laughs> I was like, I was about thirteen or fourteen years old, and uh, uh, my aunt and I said, you know, we are going to be ladies. The, the Beatles will see us that we're not <laughs> and screaming and the, yeah. they'll really want to talk to us. You know, they'll right. send someone to get us. Well, five minutes into the show, I was like straddling the seat <laughs> back of the chair in front of me, <laughs> the chair, my chair. Ah! <laughs> <The> lady. <Yeah. laughs> I'm going to um, defer to my man, which right now he has a few questions he'd like to ask. So just one moment. Okay. Hello, Debbie. Hello. 
I, I kind of, I don't want to uh, bleed the stones out, but they're so interesting. I know it's a big part of your life. What was the cheapest ticket you ever bought for the stones? And what was the most expensive ticket you ever bought for the stones? The Good most question. expensive ticket was the last one that I purchased, which was $675. But I, I figured it might be the last time I ever get to see them. So my sister and I, we, we did the pit right up next nice. to oh. right up. The cheapest ticket I ever got was $4. Oh God. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I actually have a t-shirt. Uh, I had a t-shirt made with one of my stubs that says the stones at Cobo Hall in Detroit. And it says $7 and 50 cents or something. You like can't that. get a beer for that at a show. No, no that's crazy. Mm. No, we used to go every weekend. It costs, you know, two or three bucks to go in and see these great bands. Uh, I must have seen um, the faces with Rod Stewart about 25 or 30 times because it was like a buck 52 bucks to get in to see him. And plus we knew the, the bouncers. Uh, so we used to go backstage all the time. And uh, yeah, cheap, very nice. cheap. Yeah. Wow. And I also- Oh, you go ahead. Sorry. Where, where was your, mo what venue was your most favorite to have seen him at? The Stones, oh, well, I'll, I, I'll have to say like um, seeing him at the Broncos stadium this last time was fabulous because I was like 10 or 15 feet away from Mick Jagger. Okay. It was awesome. I mean, nice. I've never been that close before. They Every venue they play is great because they, they put such work into their stages um, to make sure that everybody in the audience can see and feel them. They always have like the big wrap around uh, stage and Mick in his younger days used to run back and forth about 110 times um, yeah. from side to side and out, but. And yeah. you stayed real ladylike during that performance too. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I didn't throw my bra because I wasn't wearing one. <laughs> on, on that visual, uh, I, I guess it's about time to wrap it up. I just wanted to thank you so much for coming, Debbie. Did I cut you off too short, Daryl? Man oh, you're witch. fine. That's really great. Thank you um, so much. Debbie, one more thing quickly. Would you consider yourself a good witch or a bad witch? Um, I'm a bad witch. <laughs> <laughs> one example why. Uh, I'm naughty. Not nice. <laughs> you're not very ladylike. <laughs> I believe all of it. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on our show. You're one of my very favorite people, a dear, dear friend. And Thank I you love for you all too. of your stories. Merry Christmas, honey. I love you. Merry Christmas. Love you guys all. Mwah. Hey, witches. Are you sick of brown bagging it or giving all of your dining dollars to chains? Blake Street Tavern is an owner-operated small business in the heart of downtown Denver, just north of Coors Field. We offer elevated bar food and are famous for our green chili and custom oven-baked nachos. BST gets many of its ingredients from local vendors, like the bread and corned beef for our exceptional Reuben. It is magic in your mouth. Keep us in mind for gift cards and catering and family meals. Who wouldn't love a pan of cheesy enchiladas? Please support your local family-owned restaurants, bars, and cafes. BST is located at 2301 Blake Street in Denver, and the website is blakestreettavern.com, all spelled out. It's bar food at its best. Hi, welcome back to Good Witch, Bad Witch, and we're your hosts, Lisa and Shelley. At this point in our podcast, we always do our top five. 
Um, this week, our top five is going to be our five favorite 60s mu musical artists um, in honor of Detroit and Debbie and stuff. And I'll start, we're going to go backwards because, you know, you have to have the drum roll. And so my number five is The Doors. Um, I, prob I probably think that I like The Doors more, I more like... Um, Val Kilmer and <laughs> I like his portrayal of Jim Morrison so that's what makes me and plus he was just cute and um and I guess out of the 60s era it's some of my favorite music Shelley yeah good one uh didn't we I think that was the only movie I've ever stood in line for on opening night were you with me yeah yeah, yeah that was, was great at the it Westminster Mall yeah, no, what a beautiful person and um, seemed like a, a had to live with. No, uh, Jim Morrison, but uh -huh. didn't he wear those leather pants for like 12 months in a row or something? He just looked stinky. Yeah, yeah, he did, but in a good, like you wanted to lick him stinky. Ooh, all right, yeah, but great band, <laughs> good call. Yeah. Uh, my number five is a British woman, Petula Clark. And she did uh, Don't Sleep in the Subway and Downtown. And I had a Holly Hobby record player in the 70s and about three forty-five records. Petula Clark was one of them. So she was my favorite 60s artist because she was the first one I was introduced to. Well, there you go. I, I will give you, she's your number five. I give you that. Okay. My number four is Jimi Hendrix. Ooh. I don't necessarily think that he was one of the best singers, but his um, his musical and guitaring styles. Uh, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like I really know what I'm talking about. I'm a vocalist. Okay, let's let's just go there. But the way that he ripped on those <laughs> strings and did the stuff. And you know what I? You know what's really funny? I mean, just now that we're doing video, whenever I play guitar like like air guitar I'm left-handed left I don't know why you're like I don't know I'm with Paul McCartney <laughs> no, well, Jimi Hendrix was left-handed too Jimi Hendrix that's I'm I'm channeling my inner Jimi Hendrix We're channeling did Jimmy little, did you put a little acid in your headband because he did that split <laughs> when he sweated it leaked into his eyes did yep. you know that so if you were to meet him on the other side you'd be like Jimmy how did you get so good at the guitaring Yes, I would be like, how'd you pluck those strings so well? Okay, okay moving along. Yes. Okay, my number four, uh, ultimate California band, kick-ass harmonies, the Beach Boys. I The Beach Boys were, that, that was going back and forth on five for me. Um, I think that they're kind of pussies. Oh yeah, totally. but I yeah totally. But I do believe they have beautiful harmonies. And I, um, what's that one song that me and you used to sing all the time when we were waiting for the bus? Good vibrations. No, no we were. Do you remember that time we waited for? We were like in junior high or early high school, and we were going to. I can't even say it because my mom's gonna listen to this. But we were waiting <laughs> on the bus yeah. for a really long time, and we sat at the bus stop and sang a Beach Boy song over and over and over. You think about that and then you just I will. let me later. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Oh, how funny. I remember it like it was yesterday, but I don't remember the song. Dude, okay. I get there. Oh, and Brian Wilson hung out with Charles Manson. Weird stuff there. Yeah. 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 
So, so totally sixty stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you take the pussy back because there was also a dark side to the Beach Boys. Yeah. Okay. All right, what's your okay. What's your number three, dude? I'm gonna go number three is the Who. Ooh. The The Who. Yeah. Um, I. Who? <laughs> I'm the vocalist. Um. <laughs> just kidding um I I've just I've always been really enthralled with Tommy yeah Um, my mom made me watch it when I was younger um I'm pretty sure it scarred me for life um but but in a good way and um you know I was like first in line to see the musical when it came out and stuff and you know obviously saw the movie a million times she made our son watch it I did and took him to the musical yeah so and yeah he's always now he's scarred for life favorite Mm-hmm. No, that's a really good one. But yeah, so I have to go with the Who. I like Roger Daltrey. I like all the the Who's the Who yeah. people. <laughs> the Whoville. Good call, Bob O'Reilly. I saw um, <laughs> who's the short little lead singer guy with the blue eyes? Roger Daltrey. Uh, Daltrey. I saw him in Denver not that long ago, maybe five six years ago. Shirt unbuttoned down to his belt buckle, looking pretty good for a silver fox. Not too really? shabby. Yeah, right. still have the pipes. Okay. Um, okay, my number three is uh, the inimitable Aretha Franklin. So, um, I mean, what else can you say? Duh. I mean, Aretha. Yeah. What you want. God bless you. you. Yeah. Yeah. God yeah. yeah. I don't even have a story. She's just awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Carry she on. is. Next. Okay. We'll, we'll go to number two. Um, I, w- again, was really, really going back and forth. Um, Led Zeppelin was on mm. there, but that's an honorable mention. But I have to go with the Rolling Stones. Um, I was never a Beatles fan. Um, I'm not. I'm not not a Beatles fan. Don't get me wrong. I like have Beatles songs that I like, yeah. but I think they're a little um, overplayed. <laughs> yeah. The Did original, I say it? They're the original boy band. They are the original boy yeah. band, and nasty about them. They don't. Have yeah, and um, like the Rolling Stones. Yeah, I've always been more of a Stones person. Um, my favorite Stones song is Painted Black. Mm, and um, imagine that. Yeah. And uh, that's number two for me is the Stones. Okay. Well, you stole my number one. Um, oh. Rolling Stones was my number one. And Give Me Shelter, hands down, uh, the best song. Um, but so we'll do my number two, which is now my number one. And that's going back to the California Harmony thing Mamas and the Papas. So, oh, oh, Mama Cass, baby. Yeah. Damn that sandwich because she had pipes like nobody's business. I I have a little bit of contention with Mama Cass because I've been compared to her so much. And I mean, and that's in a singing way. That's amazing. In a fat girl way, not so much. And so I always wondered if people just you know they're like do you know you sound just like mama cass and i'm like no i look like mama cass i don't really necessarily sound like her so that was always kind of right and so i never knew if that was if they really meant that or not but if they did mean it in a singing way i give I, it's 100 percent amazing although i but still you've got now, a good point go ahead yeah well i still have kind of a weird whole um Mackenzie Phillips with her dad that thing it's me out now so it, it's given me a little bit of weirdness um with that but let's not go there and just yes. talk Don't about how first generation mamas and papas and great heart. funny about the the karaoke comparisons with you is that 
you sounded so much more like Janice Joplin, who was one of my honorable mentions. I don't know if you who thought is, Let's segue one. to my number one. Oh, and so Janice Joplin. <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to step on your dick. No, that's great. That's a, that's the way it should be. So my number one is Janice Joplin. Um, and um, I just think she was a visionary. She was um, amazing for her time. She was like nobody else. Didn't give a shit when anybody thought about her. And kind of like me, no shits were given. Yeah. So um, I got to give Janice Joplin my number one. And that's our top uh, five. That being said, we're going to just segue again, because I apparently just like to the word segue <laughs> to our man, which minutes, I'd like to give my husband, the man, which Daryl Brown, his one minute of being able to talk and his male perspective on our episode, Daryl and go. Hello, this is the man, which. I just wanted to say I found Deb's interview just incredible. I would have loved to have been able to hang with her at that time and just seen some of the stuff she's seen, some of the bands she's seen, the venues that she's seen these bands in were probably so, so intimate and, and just incredible that, you know, to, to have been there. And her love for the Stones is about as much as I, I mean, I can't say I love the Stones as much as her. I love the Stones, but nobody loves the Stones more than Deb. But with that being said, back to the Beatles, Boy band, nah, wussies. I love the Stones, man. They did it all. They they did the drugs. They did the singing, the touring. They did all the groupies. They had a little fun, you know. And uh, that was exactly uh, one minute. So um, yeah, we're um, we're gonna go ahead and count off at this point. And from Lisa and Shelley in our studio in Commerce City, we'd like to say. Stay Bye. witchy, friends. Stay bitchy, friends. <laughs>